Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the It's My Turn to Be Co-Chair edition. This week, we're explaining why the people in charge of drawing Ohio's statehouse maps stopped their first meeting before they even started, when abortion ads will start airing on your televisions, how the cost estimate for universal vouchers might be wrong, and why lawmakers say the time has come to rethink our property tax system. Joining me this week in studio, finally again, I am feeling better, is our fearless bureau chief, Anthony Schumacher. Hey, Anna, how are you feeling? Much, much better. Right. How are you feeling back from vacation? I'm feeling great. So we're both great. Ready to get back into an election season. I think <laughs> we just had one with issue one. Yeah, yeah. No rest for the wicked. But before we get into our topics this week, I want to take a quick second, as always, and ask you to consider leaving up a review on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen. Reviews help us get more ears on the podcast, and as always, I genuinely appreciate it. So our first topic is redistricting. Ohio needs to draw new maps for its House and Senate seats, but the commission tasked with doing so got off to a rocky start this week when Republicans who control the commission couldn't agree on who should co-chair the meeting. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting when you have this kind of in-party fighting about who's going to be the co-chair and then you have, you know, the threat of, a, of a, an amendment on the ballot next year on redistricting. It's kind of feeding the stereotype that, you know, maybe there's a better way to do this. Yeah. Governor Mike DeWine actually adjourned the meeting until Friday morning after the Republican representatives from the state house and Senate couldn't agree on this. So one of them is supposed to be the co-chair to Governor DeWine. And there's all this question about like how much that actually matters, how much who holds the gavel matters when like the product is making the maps. You know, Senate President Matt Huffman said it probably doesn't matter, but yet somehow it does because his caucus feels that it's their turn since House Republicans were co-chair the last time we did this. And it's looking like there may be a compromise where Auditor Keith Faber ends up as co-chair. Yeah, I mean, the, the state auditor is is on that uh, redistricting commission and, you know, he's willing to do it if it moves the process forward, he says, because, you know, uh, LaRose gave them on a deadline of September 22nd. Yeah, so you got to make the maps. That's the most important thing. This is like just like who holds the gavel or who runs the meeting. Like when Dewine isn't like it's it, it isn't so substantive. But uh, they have locked horns over this, and it may sort of be a proxy fight for House Speaker. So Senate President Matt Huffman is probably running for the House. He's probably going to seek the Speaker's gavel, but. The current speaker, Jason Stevens, uh, is also running for the House and will probably seek the speaker's gavel in 2025. And so there's this question of, is that future fight spilling over into this current fight over co-chair? And you're drawing the maps for, for who's going <laughs> to sit where. Picks, so yeah. yeah, I don't know. Also, before we move on to the second topic, I just want to say there was an incredible photo taken by dispatch photographer Brooke LaValle of Senator Rob McCauley being surrounded by reporters at this first meeting. It's just, it's really indicative of, I don't know, it's just a really great photo and I highly recommend you go and check it out. Yeah, and our colleague, uh, Jesse Bomber is front and center. Center. Photo. Just going to run this 
dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our second topic is abortion, specifically the ads for and against the Reproductive Rights Amendment that's going to be on the ballot this November. Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights have spent nearly $700,000 to run a 30-second ad across Ohio's different television markets. It features doctors talking about how families, not governments, should make these personal decisions. And what's notable about this is this is the first ad buy in what's expected to be an expensive and probably ugly campaign. Yeah, this is going to be a very expensive race. I mean, Ohio is the only state in the country with abortion on the ballot this year. A lot of states are going to be looking at it for what's going to happen in other states in 2024. And this ad war is going to be very expensive. And early voting starts in less than a month. Yeah, which is crazy. Like first week of October. October 11th. Yeah. You know, this one, I don't want to say it's tame, right? But it's not like, I just have this fear about where these ads are going to go and what the allegations are going to be and how potentially ugly they could get because people feel very strongly about abortion one way or the other. So this one, I I think we'll look back on it as like not only the first one, but probably like one of the tamer ads that we see. You you have to wonder if it's kind of following the practice of of candidate campaigns where your first ad is kind of introducing yourself. Yeah, what we're fighting for. And then as the campaign goes on, it gets uglier and uglier. Yeah. Walking in a grassy field at sunset. Our third topic is vouchers. So all Ohio school children are eligible for a voucher this fall and interest in the EdChoice expansion scholarships appears to have already exceeded expectations. According to, well, me and the math that I did, um, the state has received applications that are worth approximately $432 million for this school year. And that's about $34 million more than was forecasted. And we still have another month to go until the, the cutoff. Yeah. And you're hearing that they're getting a nine 900 to 1,000 applications a day. I mean, people are wanting this money. Yeah, we could be looking potentially at over 100,000 EdChoice expansion scholarships, which would be about quadruple what we had last year. And one of the big questions I tried to answer but couldn't was, are these existing private school kids or are they kids leaving public school to choose a private school? Now, LSC, which is the Legislative Services Commission, had some ideas about this when the backpack bill was around. They kind of thought it was going to be a 90-10 split, but I asked ODE, and they're not tracking where these EdChoice expansion kids um, went to school previously um, because it's just based on income. It's not based on how your school does, if that makes sense. So we don't really know. My assumption would be the majority of these are existing private school kids. Yeah, I mean, you have to think if they're they're offering up free money and people know about it, they yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah. And, you know, we're just hearing anecdotally that a lot of these schools are actively telling their parents, right? They're very strongly communicating to parents that this is available, that everyone is eligible for some amount of money. And so, you know, if the schools, the private schools are sort of aggressively advertising this to their to their parents, like that may be driving at least some of these applications. The other thing is the application really isn't super complicated or difficult, which you could say is a good thing. But there are some members of the House who said it's so easy that there's a potential for fraud and they'd like to see some additional restrictions. Yeah, and then you have that whole concern about, you know, kind of private school deserts in the state, you know, places like, you know, south of 
Southeast Ohio. Yeah. Where there aren't a lot of private school options for kids. Yeah. So some of the changes that might be coming is um, some Republicans and Democrats say people should have to apply every year because your income can change. You can win the lottery. You <laughs> could. You could get a big raise at work. Oh, you could breath. have a, you know, you could have a, a stay-at-home parent who then re-entered the workforce that completely changes like your income. And, you know, when you go above certain incomes, the value of that voucher drops. And so there's some push to not have a one and done, but an annual application. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see it, but there's definitely some conversation as the cost of the voucher continues to rise. I know we're really glad you're good at math. I, I always get so scared whenever I do a lot of math and then like I send it out to people and I'm like, please do this and tell me where I screwed it up. Double check my work. Yeah. Our fourth and final topic is property taxes. Also a favorite of mine. But if you own a home in Ohio, you might have gotten a postcard in the mail telling you that the value of your property is going up by a lot. Actually, Anthony got one of these postcards. And lawmakers from both chambers and both sides of the aisle are saying this week that it's time for Ohio to overhaul how it does these taxes, how it taxes homeowners, how it calculates home values, how home value increases correlate to your property tax bills. Right. And, you know, the 7070 plan that they're talking about would freeze property taxes uh, for people over 70 because, you know, they don't have, the, you know, there are no older, big raises right, in their there future. There are no big raises in their future and a, and a tax bill, you know, could put them at risk of losing their home or something. Yeah. And, you know, they talked to um, Danny Isaacson, a lawmaker from Cincinnati, talked a lot about generational wealth and some so much of how generational wealth gets passed is often in a home. And so if seniors on fixed incomes have to sell their homes for the property taxes, like there is that risk of not being able to pass that wealth on to their children. There's also questions about how, um, you know, we calculate the value of homes. Currently, we use one year of home sales. Uh, there's a push to use three years, which would sort of like soften the blow. And they argue maybe more accurately reflect trends in a market. So like one hot year could be mitigated by a preceding slow year. You know, what was really interesting is Senate President Matt Huffman made me think of um, the poet Shel Silverstein when he described property taxes, which is a little bit weird. So he said that the real estate, quote, the real estate property tax scheme is like a giant robot or some other kind of machine where every five years someone puts another part on it and everything gets dumped in and stuff comes out and you get this product and nobody knows quite how you got it. And it reminded me of this poem by Sal Silverstein called The Homework Machine and it's got like this crazy like Rube Goldberg style contraption illustration and it's like there's like a little kid inside scribbling out the homework and it's like (laughs) I kind of wonder if it's like that you put it into this very complicated system and then it spits out a property tax bill at the end, yeah. but it's like very hard to figure out how you get from point A to point B. And I'm gesturing like wildly at Anthony, so maybe this won't translate. I'd like to stick mine back in the homework machine and see if I get to re- redo it. I think a lot of people would. And one more thing before you go. The U.S. House of Representatives opened an official investigation this week into whether President Joe Biden knew his son Hunter was telling people they could buy access to his dad through him. It's basically whether Biden knew that he was engaged or even participated in what essentially amounts to an influence peddling scheme. And we just, you know, this obviously isn't happening in Ohio, but, you know, our our lawmakers have big feelings about it. And it is a major, it, you know, 
event when a president, I guess it's becoming more common now, but when a president is impeached. Yeah. And, you know, having Congressman Jim Jordan here as one of those uh, committee chairs, you know, he'll be front and center in whatever happened. Yeah. And Senator J.D. Vance even um, took a shot at the AP this week because he didn't like the way that they framed it, that they're, they framed it that there's without evidence that he engaged in influence peddling. And J.D. Vance seems to believe that there is a lot of evidence that Biden engaged in this. And so I guess we'll have to wait and see what this it's not an official impeachment it's an inquiry into whether he should whether we should introduce articles of impeachment right. right it's like a it's like a grand jury to determine whether we go to trial right before the primaries yeah and you know i don't know i guess we'll have to wait and see what uh jim jordan and those folks come up with yeah i mean it's going to be also interesting you know as you have the presidential debates going on uh, the next presidential debate for the gop is the 27th of september oh, yeah. and how you know is this going to suck some of the air out of the room how much attention is it going to get in Iowa and New Hampshire and places. And we could, I guess, potentially in 2024 have two impeached presidents battling it out in a rematch. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Mansfield News Journal. That's mansfieldnewsjournal.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.